The dog is dead. Or Brownie, as the humans called him. He walked out into the street and got hit by a car. You are their cat, and not a very good one, at least by your own assessment. And the turtle thinks the same of you, but he says most everything is rubbish. The turtle is not the problem, however. Brownie is not the problem. The new dog is the problem. This new dog is a little golden ball of fluff, and it patters around the house, licking everyone on the lips and slipping on the tile and emitting concentrated rays of sunshine and rainbows into your humans' lives. It sickens you. Brownie was old, and it was to be expected. Not in the way that it happened, but just eventually. And finally, your moment. A mere three days after Brownie's incident, though, they got this golden pipsqueak, and no amount of purring and slinking will help. And the belly rubs. My God, the amount of belly rubs this little golden miscreant gets. He just plops down anywhere, turns upside down, and dangles his paws off to the side. And the nearest human hand comes rushing down to scratch and pat. It's painful, because you hate belly rubs, but he makes it look so easy. Just turn over and take it. He's doing it now. You cough up a hairball to stop yourself from gagging. Today is filled with movement in the house. Lots of things moving around. New people you haven't seen. The patterns have been messed up recently. The big humans didn't put food in your dish this morning. In fact, the big man kicked it across the kitchen and swore and kept walking. You meowed, and he scowled, so that's been the general vibe around you. Little Golden Fluff, however, brings nothing but smiles. You want it to be a phase, but you know the reason deep down. You've never caught a mouse. That is what cats do, and you haven't. Brownie, though, he was a good dog. Until the incident. Brownie got old and mostly circled in his bed all day. He couldn't get upstairs to the little human's room. He got hit by a car in the street when the two big humans left the door open. They weren't paying attention, talking loudly to each other in the kitchen. And I think he was sort of over it all from what you talked about, which is a macabre attitude for a dog. But that is why you liked him. He knew who he was. And you heard the tires squeal and even more yelling, and it hasn't really stopped since. And then they got the little golden fluff. You slip through some legs going down the hallway and hop up next to the turtle's glass box by the back window. He is an ornery, crotchety old fool, but he tells it like it is. You put your paw in the water and splash it around quickly. You don't know why you do this, because he sits on his rock, sunbathing or whatever turtles do. But it feels good to splash your paw in the water. Catch any mice today? The turtle asks. No, turtle, you respond. My name is Michelangelo, you know this, he says. I saw on the TV that there are robot cats now that catch mice. They made them in Japan, and now all cats in Japan are being shot into space where they just float around and meow where nobody can hear them. You don't think this is true at all, but Turtle does watch a lot of TV since his box is in a great position for it, so it scares you. What do you think of the little golden fluff, you ask? To be honest, he's a bit too fluffy, but the humans like him. Let me tell you something, though. Turtle squishes into his shell sneakily. There's trouble in the house. Out of all Brownie and I have gone through, this is something else. A stranger bumps Turtle's glass box and water splashes onto you. The stranger yells to your humans about the turtle, and they tell him to wait. Turtle continues. 
You know why the saber-tooths went extinct? They joined the cavemen and they stopped catching mice. And sooner or later, when a cat doesn't do what a cat's supposed to do, it stops being a cat. Times are changing, my feline friend. Don't get left behind. And he slides into the water. You bid the turtle farewell and pounce up above the cabinets. You think about the greats, Cheshire, Garfield, Felix, the tall one in the hat. The bell on your collar jingles as you lick your paws. You hate this bell. It tells the humans where you are, but it seems like they don't care anymore. You need to catch a mouse. What did Turtle call it? Going feral? The walls of the house seem to close in on you. You usually love going into small boxes, squishing yourself into them, but this is paralyzing. There's a lot of boxes around the house today, and none of them look enticing. The front door opens, and that jolly neighbor who's always eating pizza comes in, slice in hand, with a big smile, asking if the humans need help. All you can see is the empty space between his legs, and the green grass and blue sky and sunlight blazing from the great beyond. The pizza neighbor saunters inside, leaving the door open, a portal to the outside world. The other people walking all over the house have been sure to keep the door closed. Now is your chance. You leap from the perch on the cabinets and scamper across the wood floor, bell jingling, giving you away. You duck behind a box, crawl under a chair, and with one great leap, fling yourself out onto the pavement. The bright light sears your widened pupils. You turn to look back at the house and give a little hiss of defiance and trip off the curb. A huge yellow vehicle rumbles by, almost destroying you. Now, where are all the mice? Immediately, a crippling sense of loneliness overcomes you. My God, so soon? You muster up your cat attitude, an independent mouse-catching saber-tooth, and strut down the sidewalk. A mouse could be anywhere. You've never been out, except for those heinous visits to the white room with the happy lady in pink clothes who knocks you out and you wake up in a little box feeling drunk. You remind yourself to be wary of anyone in all pink clothes. Not good people. Perhaps strutting is not the best way to go mouse hunting. You try slinking, letting your shoulders flex up and down, squinting your eyes a bit and flicking your tail every so often. But this gets damn tiring after about 12 seconds, and you decide to just stick to a normal walk. There sure are a lot of houses out here. Do they all have cats in them? Is there a secret society of cats that you're not a part of? Maybe that's the way. You've got to find another cat. But none of these other ones inside will be of any use. You've awoken from your ignorance and are on the true path to enlightenment. There must be other cats like you. Real, feral cats. The jingly bell on your collar has to go. You try to remove it by shaking, but it's wedged tight onto your neck. You go up to a fence and rub against it, but get caught up in the motion, because you love rubbing your face against things, and lose track of time for just a moment. Sheesh, get it together! You hook the collar to a chunk jutting out of the wooden fence and yank yourself backwards, and the collar comes off, hanging onto the piece of wood. You cross the street to an open grassy area, there are a lot of little humans here, running around, clambering on metal structures, wishing down plastic ones. There are colorful floaty things and colored boxes on one of the tables. You remember your tiny human had a gathering like this at the house? It hasn't happened in a while. You get closer, looking at the big humans for anyone in pink, 
when a little human comes rushing at you with a wooden sword slashing and swacking. He yells out a grunt. Even more kids lunge off the play place, chasing you. Some wear eye patches, some have triangle hats, but all are violently against you being there. You scamper for your life out of the park, onto a big open stretch of pavement, and duck under a truck. You hear laughter, a bit of a hiss, and feel a presence behind you. You turn to see a scrawny cat, skin and bones, graying whiskers, lounging behind you. He's nibbling on a candy wrapper. You want to nibble on this candy wrapper? He knows exactly what you need. You pad over to him and start nibbling. He says his name is Phoenix, Riser from the Ashes, but you can just call him Riser. You tell him you prefer Phoenix or Ash, as that would make more sense. I've seen your kind before, he says. You're looking to catch mice? Follow me. And he rolls out from under the truck and disappears. You follow him down the street. Clouds darken the sky. You look over to the kids at the gathering, and they're sitting down and singing a very catchy song to one of the other little humans. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about anybody. That's rule number one. Well, worry about yourself. I guess that's somebody. First things first. None of the presidents had cats, he says, as you follow close behind. And if the best people in the world didn't have them, then you don't need them. He hops up on a park bench. The clouds turn dark gray, a storm coming in. And none of that house stuff, neither. You want to be a real cat? You got to get it on your own. He nonchalantly claws the side of the bench. What about our food dish and water and a scratching post? He nods to the bench he's decimating. You know in your heart you're not ready to go all the way. You just came out here to catch a mouse. He stops scratching as light drops of rain hit the earth. When are we going to catch a mouse, you ask? Tomorrow, he says. I've caught so many mice, it's lost its appeal, you know? Rain hits hard now, and he dashes across the street into an alleyway. You dash with him. He goes to squish himself in a fast food bag on the ground, and you follow him. Dude, get your own bag. Way too tight in here. He hisses. You back out of his, feeling foolish for squishing so close, even though that's what you like, and hide in a checkered bag nearby. It's got mustard goop and a half-eaten hot dog in it. The rain pelts down, soaking through the paper onto your fuzzy ears. This can't be right. Riser or Phoenix or Ash or whoever he is can't help you. Turtle's voice echoes in your head. And sooner or later, when a cat doesn't do what a cat's supposed to do, it stops being a cat. You must figure it out on your own. This is the way it's always been for every cat since the dawn of time. You are a saber tooth. You must hunt. You creep out of the bag, the rain hitting your fur, making dark streaks like a tiger. You sniff up to the sky and bare your fangs. Your paws splash on the pavement, not like the piddly splashes in Turtle's glass box, but heavy, deliberate steps. Time slows. A new sensation fills your being. You are on the prowl. You tap into the anger you felt for so long. Stupid turtle. Stupid house. Stupid everything. Your shoulders drop, eyes narrow, and you leap onto the top of a dumpster and make your way to the roof of the shopping center. Across the street, a van squeals out of the parking lot. A group of humans laugh wildly at an old human. 
You smell his old manness. You smell hot dogs, even from this distance. You keep sniffing, searching, clambering across the roof, laser focus. Bird feathers ruffle, and a pigeon takes flight from the gutter. You drop back down to ground level, another alleyway, snaking back through the streets, all sense of time filtering through your whiskers, nose, claws. You draw them out and retract as a figure squeaks at the end of the alley. A brick wall blocks off its escape. Thunder rips the sky open. The mouse darts to the corner, looking back to the space you used to occupy. You gaze at him from the ledge above, his black eyes oblivious, but the downpour shows you two mice, blurring your vision. You close one eye, zero in, and a wave of catness overtakes you. This is it. You are a cat. Lightning cracks as you leap off the ledge, fire in your eyes. The mouse looks up and squeaks a fraction too late. Your paws grip his body, and with a jab and a twist, it dies in your clenched jaws. You sit in the dark alley, panting, triumphant. The rain clears up, and the mouse is in your mouth. And yet, the feral fog clears from your head. The fullness you felt in your cat heart moments ago empties. You look down at the limp and lifeless mouse in your mouth, and a wave of disgust washes over you. Why? Is this not useful? Are you not a cat? So you did it. Phoenix, the riser from the ashes, curls around the corner. Feels good, huh? It does not. No need to go back now, eh? He says, laying down in a pile of garbage. So this is what you wanted, and you got it. Maybe he's right. The humans don't need you. You can keep catching mice forever, and end up like him. The thought sickens you, and you take the mouse in your mouth and run past him. The only thing left to do is bring it home. Prove yourself. The problem is getting back. The sun sets low behind the buildings. You move past big human feet and legs on the sidewalk as headlights turn on and cars splash through puddles on the road. The park is nowhere to be seen. You circle back around. There are only pavement lots filled with more cars. You slink around them and almost get run over by a big metal crate with wheels on it. You keep moving, mouse taste touching your tongue. You try to push your tongue back further into your mouth, but that only makes you salivate, and the mouse taste fills it more. It's gross. Night covers the sky. You push onward, but nothing looks familiar. Houses dot the street, but no humans on the sidewalks. They're all inside, TVs blasting through the blinds, cars behind garage doors. The wind picks up, chilling your nose, and you turn left and right, climbing on rooftops and climbing back down. You are lost. You try and tap back into your feral rage, but all that comes is sadness, cat-level sadness, which you know from what the turtle says as being very sad. A man shoes you off his lawn as he goes out to walk his dog. You scram. A huge bark erupts from an open window, and it makes you jump. The moon lights up the suburb, glinting off the mouse's eyes. You set it down, out of your mouth, on the pavement. You shiver. You are tired and a failure. A patch of flowers grows in a clump in front of a fence, and it seems inviting, so you slink into them and lay down, curling tight. It feels good. You close your eyes, settling in, when a furry snout pushes through a hole in the bottom of the fence, and three huge sniffs jolt you awake. You bop the snout out of impulse, claws out, and it yelps, but remains poking out of the hole. 
Ouch, the dog says. Sorry, you say, but not really meaning it, because you were very comfortable. He asks what brings you to this flower patch so late at night. He doesn't recognize your scent. You tell him you are a cat, and he says obviously, but who are you? You tell him you don't know. You don't want to catch mice. He tells you he used to be what the humans call a sniffing dog, but now he's too old and he's with this family of humans and they are very nice to him. He used to sniff all sorts of things in all sorts of places and stop some humans from exploding other humans, but he didn't care much about that part except that his owners gave him treats when he found the right sniffs. And now you just sniff out of this little hole in the fence, you say, still only seeing his nose. He scoffs. I'm still who I am. A dog is a dog is a dog. I can't sniff much anymore. You don't catch mice. So what? So what, you say, unconvinced. Fine, says the dog behind the fence. I bet your humans are missing out on a great house cat. A house cat, you say, unsure of the term. Oh, you know, a cat who's always there. That's what they're there for, for being there. Us dogs are great, but we can't all be a house cat. We can't jump on the bed at three in the morning. We can't sit on the counter and watch dinner being made. We can't rub our face into corners and legs like you. Being there. A house cat. Do they catch mice? You ask. But the snout is gone, and a patio door slams closed. The wind picks up again, and you hear a familiar sound nearby. You walk up to it. You scoot your face back into the collar, your collar, hooked to the splinter on the corner of the fence, and march the now-recognizable straight line home. You leave the mouse on the sidewalk. The humans are probably worried sick about you, a lost house cat out on its own. You jingle and jangle all the way back, prepared for a welcome. You pass by a family outside on a blanket on their front lawn, looking up at the sky. You look up, too, and see a light streak across. It doesn't interest you, because you are a house cat. You patter up to the porch, but have to climb the wall to the upstairs bathroom window to get in. You drop onto the tile, and it's quiet. You go into the little human's room, but nothing's there. No bed, none of his outer space decorations, none of his astronaut posters or toys, nothing. You scamper to the other room, stripped bare. Some bookcases, a single mattress on the floor in one room upstairs. Most of the pictures on the walls are down. All the bustle from the morning is gone, along with the boxes. You move downstairs to the kitchen and living room, but it's barren, just the sofa and a chair by the window. You hop up onto the kitchen counter and look over to the turtle, but he's gone, glass box and everything. The golden fluff dog isn't here either. Nobody's here to care that you're home. <laughs> a sniffle comes from the chair in the living room by the window. You hop off the counter and jingle up to it carefully. It's the big human, the man. His face is buried in his hands. He looks down at you. Today was the day, he says. She left with Robert and the dog and the turtle, for God's sake. I told her I was fine. But I guess I'm not. He goes to pat you on the head, but you recoil out of habit. He sits back and sighs, a sad sigh, almost cat-level sadness. You stop and think, would Golden Fluff be awake? Would the turtle?
You don't know what's going on, but you know what to do. You hop up onto his lap and purr. He keeps sniffling and looking out the window, but starts petting you slowly. It feels better than the flower patch. You purr some more, sitting alone with the big man in the dark. He goes for a belly rub, so you have to scratch him. Not enough to hurt, but enough. He jerks his hand back and smiles a little. He gets it. You are still a cat, after all. Thanks so much for listening. The Dog is Dead is written by me, Taylor Zablowski, at a table in the public library, recorded under a blanket in my closet, and edited in a fast food restaurant booth with the nearest power outlet. Let me know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes or sending a message at zablowski.com. Feel free to share this podcast with someone else who you think might enjoy it. And thanks again. <laughs>